I would invite you and encourage you to turn with me to the book of James. We're going to be in James chapter 1. We'll look at other passages as well. Uh, And so, as I was saying earlier this morning, we're in a series right now called How We Grow. Um, I don't know about you, but growing up in my home, uh, I say at my home, actually my grandparents' house, my mom's uh, mother and father, their house, we would go every Saturday to their house. And so every so often, I don't know, I'm going to ask, actually ask this out loud. Did anybody in their home have like a line or a marker on the, a door frame or something that marked how tall you were getting? Anybody, anybody do that as a kid or your parents had you do that or something like that? Yeah, I, I did my parents at their house, they didn't, but my grandparents, they did. And so there was these marks and I was always like, man, I still haven't grown anymore. I just, just, you know, I hit like 14 and just stopped growing. I'm like, man, if I could just get four more inches, Lord, please. You know, I just wanted to grow a little bit more. And, um, and so actually in our house, we, we've done this at my, at my mom's. And so when we go, and I only see them, we only see them at their house usually about once or twice a year now. And so it was neat going back uh, at Thanksgiving to visit there. And they do it in permanent marker. They're like, who cares? You know, grandparents, I think eventually are like, who cares? somewhat. And so it's like permanent marker. There's Colson, there's uh, Levi, my, my youngest boy, and then Graceland, and then there's cousins and all these ones. It's just this door frame full of all these marks over the years. And so it was neat to see. I mean, like Colson's like grown like six inches uh, in like a year since the last time we had been there. Um, but I think for all of us, I think there is a desire of growth, and I think a spiritual desire. I think most of us have a, a desire to grow. I don't think anyone is just I mean, there, there are, I'm sure there's some people who are just very content with like, nah, I don't really want to grow. I think most people, they want to grow. Espe- you know, this year, maybe you've already s- established some resolutions and some things that you're like, hey, in these areas, I want to grow. Maybe I want to read more books this year, or I want to take an intentional vacation with the family this year that we haven't have put off for a time, or I want to, you have some goals and different things where you want to achieve those goals and you want to see yourself grow in uh, those areas. I think most of us are natural, uh, and some, you know, at the beginning of the year, you want to, like, grow less, right? You're trying to, like, lose weight, you're trying to trim up a little bit. Um, but I think in all of our lives, I think most of us, if we're normal human beings, we want to grow. And I think for most people, especially when it comes to followers of Jesus, I think there's a genuine desire to grow. Like, I want to grow, but I believe there's a big difference between a desire to grow and actually growing. And so last week, we looked at a great passage of Scripture. I would encourage you to memorize it, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, which says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is proper for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It's a great passage. And I just read it so fast, you're probably like, I don't even know what you just said. But it says, all Scripture, all of, all of what we have, what we call the Bible, is God-breathed, meaning it is inspired by Him, it comes from Him. So we're saying, it's a strong statement, I mean, that is a strong statement, to say that this here, this Bible, is God's Word, not just man's ideas, not Paul, Moses, David, um, different individuals. No, we believe that it was inspired by God, that those who wrote were writing at, from inspiration from God, that the God's Word was spoken. What was written was what God wanted written. And it's telling us that it's profitable. It's, I mean, like, listen, it's beneficial. It's beneficial for teaching it. God's Word, te- this is what we looked at last week, God's Word teaches us. It reproves us. It challenges us when we're off track, and it corrects us, and it trains us. It, it, it is training for godliness, for righteousness. 
I think that is so important for us because when we think of a new year, I think most of us have high expectations for the year. But usually if you look back on a year, there were some really highs and there were some really, really lows. Maybe you lost a loved one. You had a challenge or trial or struggle over this past year. Maybe sickness, different things came that you didn't expect. What's going to prepare you for those trials? I would argue, and the psalmist argues in Psalm 119, that if, it had not been God, if God's word had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Listen, you don't know what's in front of you. I don't know what's in front of me. I should be preparing for it. And so I encouraged you last week to read God's word. That's great, right? I think most of us, we want to have a commitment to try to read a little bit more of God's word. You know, I want to open it up and I want to read it and study it. But I want to, I want to argue today Yes, we need to read God's Word. That's the first step. It's a step of just let me sit down and read it. But I would argue the problem with most of our people, personally, our culture, is most don't obey God's Word. If we're going to say it's God's Word, I believe wholeheartedly that we should submit to the authority of its teaching in our lives. The Apostles' Creed I want to read it to you. These are the beliefs of the church collectively. Many ascribe to the Apostles' Creed. It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This is a a creed that has been declared in churches for centuries now. It's a belief in God and His Word and belief in who God is and what He is about and his, these amazing truths. These are all truths that are, that are wonderful to study and to reflect on. But I would argue if we say we believe that Jesus Christ is the only Son, our Lord, then we need to listen to Him and not just listen, obey. And so if you have a Bible, I want us to study this passage this morning. I have a few thoughts um, from it, but it's not just my thoughts. I believe it comes from, directly from the text. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you uh, to look at it with me. So if you have a Bible, James chapter 1, starting in verse, uh, we'll start in verse 19. It says this, Know this, my beloved. So James, writing, says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law. I love this phrasing right here. The law of liberty. Because I think most people think of laws as constricting. 
We think of God's law. Man, he's holding us back. He's, he's preventing us from having the best life, the good life, the, the fun, enjoyable life. He's restricting us. Here, James describes it as the law of liberty, this law that actually brings freedom. And he says, so this person, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see, this is God's word. First, I want you to notice this, that we are to receive the word with humility. I would argue if you're going to read your Bible this year, even if it's a little bit here and a little bit there, at least start somewhere. But as you're reading, I want to encourage you first is to receive the word with humility. Let it receive it. Listen, as you listen to God's word, listen in a way that is from a heart that is humble before God. Notice what he says here. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger. I mean, think about our society today, right? Think about this week. How many conversations you had? Opportunities to listen. How many times have you been in a conversation or maybe you're, you're um, having a conversation with a coworker, family member, friend, um, or someone that maybe you meet and, and they start talking and then all of a sudden what happens? You're like, you start to lose your train of thought and you start to think, or maybe they, they're bringing up something that's very passionate to them and, and you're also passionate about it. And, and as they're talking, what are you doing? You're probably already, it just comes natural, at least to a lot of us, comes natural to start thinking about your response. And so rather than listen to what they have to say, you're already formulating your thoughts. You're just nodding. You're like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, as you're thinking about what you're going to say. And so you're not listening. We're quick to speak. I know, I know personally in, in my home, it's, it's a lot easier to be like, all right, tell me your problem. Let me, let me fix it, right? Like, just tell me it real quick. All right, uh-huh, yeah, okay, here's what you should do. Like, just let me, let me give you, instead of listening to a person, you know, we're not easy listeners. I mean, think about how many times you've, I know growing up, I, I'm a little bit better, I hope I am, a little bit more disciplined in my reading than I was when I was in high school. But I remember when, and I, it still happens, so I don't want to sound like, make you feel bad or something if this is true, because it still does happen to me too. Um, but when you're reading, all of a sudden you're like, man, I just read two pages of a book, and I'm like, I have no idea what I just read. I'm like, none. You're like, all of a sudden you're like daydreaming, right? You're daydreaming, you're in another world, yet you somehow actually read words. You're like, how does this happen? How do you read words? How does your brain actually read the words? Like, you're like, I mean, I read it. I just have no idea what it said. Here he's saying to receive the word with humility. It is coming with a a humble heart. Notice what he says further. He says, therefore, verse 21, put away all filthiness and, and rampant wickedness and receive with, here's the word we have in the ESV here, meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Here he's saying, you need to approach God's word with humility. Now you might be like, okay, well, I, I hear that, but what does that mean? What does that look like to approach God's word, to read God's word, and to receive God's word with humility? It goes like this, when you're reading scripture and you're reading here, and you go to it and you're like, and you're looking for what, you want God's word to affirm what you think. It's reading God's word to affirm some thoughts that you have. Maybe like you're wanting to make a big decision and, you, and you're like, all right, let me, let me see if God's word aligns with what I'm thinking. Rather than reverse looking at it for what, what does God's word have to say and how do I align to it? 
You see, pride steps in when we read Scripture and we, we think, oh, well, that, may, that doesn't speak to me. That's, that's the person over here. or That's my wife who needs to hear that or my spouse who needs to hear that or a coworker, friend, family member. Man, they really, man, I wish they were here to hear God's Word. No, humility says, you know what, God? When your Word speaks, I'm going to obey. So here's how it is for me when I approach God's Word. It's a simple prayer. It doesn't have to be some elaborate. None of our prayers need to be elaborate. But I, I approach God's word very simply like this. God, will you speak to me this, this, this morning or whenever I'm reading and help me to obey what you have to say today? Help me to listen, receive it, and be willing to obey it as you're the authority. You see, like in my home, it's, it's you know, like my kids can, can give uh, and talk back and forth to each other. And, and Colson can, is constantly trying to boss his, because he's the oldest, and he's trying, constantly all, trying to boss Levi around, always. And I, I get to hear it all the time, like, and, and Levi will do it. And you're like, Levi, you don't have to do what he says. He's not your dad. He's not your mom. You know, and, and, but he's like, Colson made me do it. I'm like, no, he didn't make you do it. But if I ask him to do something, and I, or I tell him to do something, I expect him to have immediate obedience. I expect him to obey and not be like, no, I don't feel like it. I'm like, I don't care about your feelings, son. <laughs> like, you're going to go take out the trash or you're going to go clean up your room. Like, I expect my, my authority in his life at this stage in his life. Now, when he's 20 and he's out of my house and he's on his own, I don't expect him to obey my authority on him. It's, he leaves and cleaves. Like he goes and he's, he starts a new family unit. I, have the, I don't have that authority in his life. I'm a, a mentor and I hope to be a friend and an encourager, but it's not my job to tell him what to do or guide him in those decision making. But in my home, he is. And see, as followers of Jesus, we say he is our Lord, but how often are we obeying it? How are we receiving it? You have to humble yourself in front of a Lord. You have to say, it's not my will, but your will be done. Just like Jesus modeled for us on earth. He goes to the cross. He's in, he's, he's in Gethsemane, and he is crying in prayer, pleading with the Father, and talking with the Father. And he's, and he's saying this. He's, he knows the agony that is about to happen in his life as he's about to go to the cross, and about to be beaten, spit upon, stripped of his clothes, and brutally crucified on a cross, nailed to a tree. He knows these things, he, the pain, the agony, but even that isn't the, the, the things that are after him. It's the separation that he is going to become sin for mankind and is going to separate him from the Father. And what does he cry out? He says, if there's another way, he's praying that kind of prayer, if there's another way, but if not, your will, not my, I mean, ultimately, your will be done always submits perfectly to the Father. That should be our response. We should come to God's Word with humble hearts and a humble attitude, listening to God's Word and saying, God, when you speak, I need to listen intently and I need to be ready to act. And that leads really to the second response that we see in this passage is not only to receive the Word with humility, we're to act on what you read in the Word. You do it this is where most of us miss it. Most people, we listen to God's Word. We hear it. You hear it each week here, I hope. I hope you're reading it on your own. Uh, when you study God's Word or when you gather together as a family to a family devotion together or something like that and look at God's Word, I hope that we are listening. But more than that, we need to be ready to act on what we've read. Listen to how James puts it. He says this in verse 22, But be doers of the Word, not 
hears only. Interestingly, he says, deceiving yourselves. I would argue that last two words are really tragic. Because I think there's many people who have listened to God's word for decades, maybe. Years. They've listened to God's word and they've deceived themselves because they, they hear it. They hear God's word, but they don't obey God's word. They're not acting on it. They're not a doer of the word. They're just a hearer. I mean, I, I have seen more mature people who've been saved for six months than I have seen for some that have been, that have been professing followers of Jesus for decades who've just heard God's word but never lived it, have never craved God's word. They've just maybe consumed it on Sundays and never really touched their Bible during the week. But here, the, the, um, the writer of James, as James is writing, he says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. Very convicting verse in Scripture. Like, I love 1 John. People say they love 1 John, but 1 John is also a gut punch over and over again. <laughs> it's like boom, boom. I saw a boxer is now still undefeated last night. He, the other guy just eventually gave up. He's like, I can't, I can't go in the ring again with this guy. <laughs> it's like ninth round, I'm done. Here's what happens to me when I read 1 John. I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Stop hurting me. <laughs> Here's what he says, 1 John 2, verse 4 and 5. Whoever says, I know him. It's a lot of people who claim to know Christ. He says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. They have deceived themselves. They're deceiving, and maybe deceiving others intentionally or maybe unintentionally, but they're, decept they're deceived. And he says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Think about it. God's word is truth. But yet here he's saying a person who claims to be a follower of Jesus but isn't keeping his commandments, that truth isn't inside of him. Maybe it's on the outside. He's heard it. And it's kind of bounced off of them or something. I don't know. But you hear the word, but here he's calling us to, like this person, they say they know him, but really they're a liar and the truth is not in him. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, that means obeys it, observes it. In him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. You want to know if you're in him. Are you obeying God's word? And if, here's the other question. If you don't know if you're obeying God's word, you need to be reading God's word to know how to obey God's word. You see, we're to act on what we read. And thirdly is this, is we need to focus on the word so that we won't forget the word. We need to focus on the word because here's the problem. We can hear the word and even have a desire to obey it. Like, I, I want to obey it. I want to I I please God, and we have this desire, but how quickly we forget. Most of you, myself included, don't remember what I preached a month ago. I mean, me too. I don't really remember it either. I'd have to go back and look at my notes probably, right? Like, it's easy to forget, or maybe what you read earlier this week in Scripture on your own. You're like, man, what did I read again? I, I know I'm in Genesis, probably chapter 4 or 5, you know, because it's the beginning of the year, <laughs> you know. And, and so maybe, maybe I read this, and you don't really remember. Listen, we have to bring a focus, an intentional attitude, that, hum that humble heart to God's Word, to focus on the Word so that we're not going to forget the Word. Listen, we need to learn the lessons from the Old Testament Israelites. Do you remember how God gave the law to the Israelites? Some of you may remember this. 
As God gives the law to Moses, they, they're, they're traveling out of their slavery in Egypt, and they're on a journey, and they're in the wilderness, and they land at the base of a mountain, and, and Moses goes up to meet with God, and God delivers him uh, the Ten Commandments, you know, written on stone that we see. What's happening at the base camp? While he's delivering the, 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 the Ten Commandments to Moses and to the people, here's God's heart. Here's what's going to bring you blessing in your life. To, like, I don't want to just restrict you. Again, it's the perfect law of liberty, of freedom. He's given his law to give you the best life. He's not trying to hold you back like, oh, you, you can't sleep with your neighbor's wife. No, no, he's doing that because it's the best life is fidelity. The best life is not to lie. The best life is to have God above all things. He's given this law. And what are the people of Israel who just walked across the Red Sea? God has delivered them. What are they doing? They're worshiping an idol that they've made with their own hands. You're like, how do you do that? But we better be careful to ask those kind of questions. How would you do that? Because that's exactly what we do, don't we? We worship things rather than the created one, as Romans 1 tells us. We worship the creation rather than the creator. And here are the Israelites at the base camp while Moses is up with God and God is giving him the Ten Commandments. They're down burning all their gold and silver to make them a bronze calf that they can worship and thank for protecting them. Like, what? How do they do that? And they would forget over and over again. And God's giving them this, His law and giving this to them. And, and the people are forgetting what God has done for them. They've already forgotten it. So that when the retelling and the re-giving of the law is, is, is outlined for us in Deuteronomy 6, I'm going to read it here in a second. In Deuteronomy 6, we get as the people are about to go into the promised land. Here they are, they're about to go, and here's what God's Word tells us in De- Deuteronomy 6, verse uh, 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you arise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. Why? Why go to extreme lengths? To remind yourself that God is the Lord God and that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Why? Because we forget. We quickly get distracted. We get focused on what culture has got to offer. We focus on the things of this world. We focus on our, our, uh, even some good things, but are those good things become, become um, preeminent in our lives? And we take those and treat them as God. And so here God gives us his word and he's reminding them. And in verse 12 of that same chapter, he says this, Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Why are they doing this? Lest they forget, because you will forget. So we don't just listen to God's word on Sunday. You spend it in the week. You put it in your heart. You put it in your home. You talk about it with your children. You talk about it on your own. You talk about it with coworkers. You put God's word in your heart and in your mind and you let it soak in so that you won't forget it because we so easily forget. Listen to how crazy of an illustration he gives back in our passage in, in James 1. 
He says, verse 22 again, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Be a doer of the word. Don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. And here's the illustration he gives, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. How many of you looked in a mirror this morning? Don't have to raise your hand. I'm just kidding. You don't want to single out anybody who never even looked at a mirror once. But, um, but man, maybe you just, you know, your natural beauty, you just wake up and you're like, I know I look good, so it's fine. I could just go out. It doesn't matter. Most of us need to look in the mirror and be like, man, that is a disaster. What do I need to fix? Right? It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently. Notice it's looking intently. Like he's actually focused on what he's looking at in the mirror. And he's, he or she is seeing this and seeing the reflection in the mirror. They look intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, verse 24, and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Like, what he's saying is basically this, is like that person saw themselves in the mirror, and then now when there was a police lineup of people, he, he, doesn't, he couldn't tell you who's who. He couldn't tell you who he was in the lineup. Like, how ridiculous is that, that you wouldn't recognize who you are? You completely forget what you look like when you looked in the mirror. That's what he's describing, a person who looks at God's word intently and then walks away and leaves. And you notice this, it's also looking at God's word. God speaks, he reveals to you maybe an area of weakness and sin in your life and that how you need to respond in faith and repentance. And you walk away and you're like, yeah, that's good. That's that, man, I needed that today. That's good. And then you go back to your life as if nothing ever happened. You're a forgetful hearer. Not only are we to act on God's word, not only are we to, we need to come with a humble heart, but we have to bring a focus and an intention to our time in the word so that we will not forget. Because guess what? You will forget. I forget. We need God's word. Joshua 1.8 reminds us of this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Don't let it get away. Don't let like lose the thought. It shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do Here's the part. I want to meditate on it. I want to remember it and focus on it so that I can be careful to do according to all that's written in it. All of it. I want to be able to observe God's Word, and I need to meditate on it. I need to focus on it. Listen, I want to encourage you. Read God's Word. Read it for breadth. Like, I mean, read it. Try to read the whole Bible. I would make that a challenge, whether that's a three-year challenge, six-month challenge, or a year challenge. Read God's Word through and through. That would be great. That would be awesome to see our church, people, our family, all of us, myself, all of us included, reading God's Word. That's great. But we also need to focus and dig into God's Word and apply it to our lives because we don't want to be a forgetful here. Because he says this great promise in verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. There's an enduring word. It's a focused intention, not forgetting, you're persevering, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Here's the promise. Here's this blessing. It's a great blessing. He will be blessed in his doing. You see, as you observe God's word, as you apply it to your life, as you put an intentional focus to it, God brings blessing. And I don't, and what I want to be careful here, I don't want to communicate that, well, if you just read your Bible, God's going to fix all your problems and your challenges, and He's going to bless your bank account because you read your Bible this week, or He's going to all of a sudden send checks in the mail to you so you can have financial freedom and flexibility and all those things. No, that's not what He means. The blessing comes from relationship with God, so that when the trial comes, you can be 
like James says in here? The person who can find joy through sorrow? The person who can, uh, who can trust in God, and as First Peter tells us as well, as suffering happens, that someone can endure those trials with joy and with happiness in God. The blessing that comes that we read in Psalm 1 earlier, blessed is the man who, walks, who does not do these things, but who does what? Who, who delights in God's law, who meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted by rivers of water that produces fruit in its season, as Psalm 1 we read earlier together says. You see, this is what happens when we put our focus on obeying the Word of God. I want to encourage you this year. Like, I know that's a big goal for this year, so maybe start small this, today, this week. Go to God's Word with a humble heart. Say, God, when you speak, this is your Word. I believe it's your words. When you speak, help me to listen. Help me to trust you. Help me to be willing to obey it perfectly. And then as you read, let God's word through his spirit speak to your heart. Let it shape you, let it challenge you, let it convict you, and then let it lead you to repentance and faith. Let it bring you joy through the challenge, through the trial, because you can experience blessing as we read God's word. One couple final thoughts on this and encouragement to you as well, and I want to, it's a point of caution here as well. Um, we're to, we're to long for the, the pure spiritual milk, uh, milk of the word, which is 1 Peter 1. I love the, the picture there of, um, he's saying, like, this, like a child who longs for its mother's milk, that we're to long for God's word. I pray that God gives you a longing and a desire for his word, that you'll long for the pure, as Peter puts it, the, long, the pure spiritual milk of the word. We're to long for God's word like a baby longs for her mom's milk, but I want you to notice this in verse uh, James 1. We, we've already covered this verse, but I want you to see it one more time because I think we have to be careful here to not, especially even when you're reading James, be careful to not put works ahead of faith and doing ahead of trusting. That we're not just doers to earn God's favor and His love and His acceptance. And that we'll, and it's very easy to talk about obeying God's Word and bring legalism in and say, hey, you need to be obeying God's Word. Like, let me pound it into you like I would want to do sometimes with my kids. Like, you're going to obey me, you know, kind of thing. And, and that's not the heart. God's coming after a heart. But here's the great thing is this. It all is of grace. Notice what he says. I'm going to bring you back to that. Verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive, here's that humble that we're talking about, receive, we have to receive it, yes, receive with meekness, but notice this, the implanted word. You see, this word is a gift of grace. God gives us his word, and he actually, for those who have put their faith in Christ Jesus alone for salvation, he implants his word in our hearts that brings that craving, like First Peter 1 tells us, of craving the pure spiritual milk of the word. That craving is a gift from God, and listen, if that craving is zero, that is a real concern, and I'd, I want to challenge you in that. I want to let God's word speak to you in that. Like, there should be, if you're a follower of Jesus, authentic follower of Jesus, there should be a craving for God's word. Yes, will there be, see, I don't want to say like, here's the standard and you're not, you're falling short, so good luck. No, 
The point is this, like, yes, there's going to be seasons of dryness where maybe you're not getting much out of God's Word for some reason, whether it's distraction, sin, or just life in general. Or maybe there's times where you're just, like, not feeling it today versus tomorrow or last week. And you're like, man, last week was a good week, this week was a bad week. And yes, you're going to go through seasons, but here's the difference. The follower of Jesus has God's Word implanted on their hearts. And James is drawing on a passage of Scripture you maybe have never read. Uh, I don't know many of us that make it all the way to Ezekiel in our Bible reading plans, but I want to read it to you. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24 to 27, hear this idea of implanting God's Word. Listen to what Ezekiel the prophet says in, in chapter 36, verse 24 through 27. He says, For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. Notice all these things that God will do. I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you, notice this, this is a gift. This is why you see this is a gift of grace. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Notice this, I will place my spirit within you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, God's Spirit is now indwelling. God Himself indwells in you. That is amazing truth, that God would indwell in sinful, broken me, but because of God's, God's Son covering me with His blood and through the cross and through His death and resurrection, that God's Spirit would indwell the believer. And notice this, and here's this, I mean, amazing, in the middle of, maybe, you've never read it before, maybe, Ezekiel 36, in verse 27, he says this, I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. This is what God will do. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. This is a gift of grace. God gives us a love for His Word. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've responded in faith to Christ, He gives you, this is a gift of His grace. Listen, you can, you can try to read your Bible to save you. That will not save you. You need His saving work through His Word revealing it to you, but ultimately your eyes are open and God gives you this new heart. He takes the heart of stone and He removes it and gives you a, a new heart. And this new heart longs for God and His Word. And God puts this law and spirit into our hearts, leading us to carefully obey his word. Salvation comes from receiving his word, not working for it. You see, once we receive his word, his word works in our hearts. This is what James's whole premise behind his book is verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. But his premise is let, the, let God's word work in your heart, don't work for it. You can't earn it. You need God's Word to work in your heart and change you and shape you and become more and more like Christ. Once we receive His Word, His Word works in our hearts, changing our affections, changing our attitudes, and helping us live lives in alignment with God and His Word. So here's my question. Have you received the Word of God in your life? Salvation comes from receiving God's Word with humility. It's recognizing I can't save myself. I'm never going to be good enough. I can't be good enough. But Christ has been perfect. 
He was the perfect atoning sacrifice for my sin. He takes my place. And so the Bible tells us that for all who will confess Christ Jesus as Lord and believe in his heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the great truth of Scripture, that salvation comes from God. And as we receive it, he shapes our heart. He changes us. It's the new birth. He gives us a new heart, a heart that longs for his word. And it's not perfect. It's flawed. We're not perfect. We're, we won't be glorified until heaven. This is an imperfect body with an imperfect mind that desires the things of the flesh sometimes. And it's at war, like as, as Romans 7 tells us with Paul. But I want to ask you, what are you doing each day to observe his word? Have you made a plan yet? One of the keys to Bible reading is to have a strategy. You need a strategy. I mean, I think of, I, I like to build things. I don't know if I'm any good at it. Um, I like to fix things. That was something my dad was good at. I still don't think I'm really good at, but I was really good at taking apart the lawnmower, just not putting it back together. I'd be like, uh, here you go. <laughs> Here's the lawnmower in pieces. <laughs> um, but one key, if you're going to build a house, for instance, it's not, I mean, obviously, right? For instance, you, say you're wanting to build a house and you want it to be weatherproof, comfortable, spacious. Now, these are all desires that you have. You want these things in your home. And so you know, you're, how are you going to get those things done? How are you going to build this house? Well, let me buy some insulation. If I want to insulate my house, let me buy some insulation. I might need some concrete, so let's call a concrete company to bring some concrete out to my property. Or I need wood. I'm probably going to need a lot of wood. So let me buy a bunch of lumber at Home Depot and see what happens when I get it to my property. Maybe I need all two-by-fours. Maybe I need two-by-sixes. Maybe I need a few two-by-twelves. You know, we think we know, we have this desire to build a house, but what do we have to have? You got to have a plan. You need to start with a foundation. We talked about how firm a foundation we have in Christ Jesus alone. He is our rock, our sustainer and friend. He is these, our defender who causes us to stand. He's all of these great things, but it starts with a foundation, and you have to start with a foundation which God's Christ himself is our foundation and his word is what he's given it to us. And so we start with the plan of God's word. But listen, if you're going to read it, you can't just be like, all right, today I think I want to read from Colossians. Tomorrow, maybe I'll read from 1 Timothy. Maybe I'll read from Genesis 2. Maybe I'll read from Revelation and see if I can figure what that means. <laughs> right? Like, I'm just going to bounce. Like, don't bounce around. Don't be like, hmm, I wonder what I should read today. Use a Bible reading plan. I would encourage you, like if you're new to reading Scripture, start with the book of John or Mark. We're studying Mark. It's, a, it's the shortest gospel Mark is. John is, is, it shows us the, the beauty of Christ, and, and all of Scripture does, of course, but it, uh, John's uh, well-written as well, obviously, as all Scripture is. You can start with John or Mark, a gospel, and then you can go to Colossians and see how God is growing and shaping you and sanctifying you. Then you can jump to an Old Testament passage, and maybe you can read in Genesis or Exodus or move to the Psalms and read maybe a psalm a day, or, um, but, but have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you're going to fail. If you don't set a goal, you'll, you'll, you won't ever meet it. Maybe set a goal. Maybe, maybe don't set a, a year goal. Set a, a week goal. Like, all right, this week, I want to try to read Scripture about five times. I'm going to read a chapter. I'm going to commit to reading a chapter a day for these next five days. Have a plan. Plans can be different. You don't have to be, you don't have to follow my reading plan. Like, I'm reading through Scripture and almost through Genesis um, already because I'm trying to read it in consecutively this year. And then I'll read in the New Testament some as well and different things. And I don't expect everyone to read exactly what I'm reading or do exactly what I'm doing. 
Listen, I just want to encourage you to read God's word, but above all that, obey it. But here's the thing. If you're not putting your trust in Jesus, obeying is only going to be legalism, and it's never going to earn you anything. It's not going to get you into heaven just because you try to obey a bunch of rules in God's word. Put your faith in Christ, and then let God's word work in your life this year, this week. Uh, I encourage you to have a plan. Set a time. If you don't set a time, you probably won't make it happen. Set a place. Maybe it's this chair right after I get coffee (laughs) or before if you're super spiritual. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Uh, Coffee first. (laughs) That's sad. I know I'm the pastor. It should be the word all the time, right? But listen, let's read God's word. Let's apply it to our life. Let's listen to it intently and let's not ever forget it. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for your word. You've been so gracious to us. You're patient. Scripture even tells us this. You're long-suffering. You you don't always chide. You haven't given up on us. Thank you that I still have breath in my lungs. I pray that you'll do a work that only you can do through the study of Scripture, that you would help us. As Ezekiel's telling us, God, do that gracious work in our lives as we put our trust in you that that would that that new heart the transformed heart would have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness a longing for your word and that your word would speak into our hearts and when it speaks we would listen and that we would obey immediately god if you're calling us to go that we'll be able to go if you're calling us to to give and 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 Um, invest in the poor. I pray that we'll obey you in that. If you call us to adopt a child, I pray that you will help us to respond in obedience to your word and to your working through your spirit in our lives. God, if you're calling us to do something, that we would act, that we would not quench the spirit, that we would respond in faith. I always have the faith of Abraham who didn't know the journey in front of him, didn't know what was lying ahead, but took the next step. You didn't tell him where he was going. You just promised to be with him and that you promised faithfulness. So help us to be faithful because you're faithful. You're a good God to us and we thank you. We want to praise you for these wonderful truths that we get to experience and study in your word. I pray that we'll, we'll put it deeply in our hearts as you've implanted it in us and help us to grow. We ask this in your son's name.